Positive podcast with Midwest sensibilities. Hi, I'm Kat Palavoda, a local fat feminist, shop owner, and I'm constantly reminded of my love for Target stores. Made in Minnesota, baby! <laughs> I'm joined by my co host and producer, Soraya Bogani. Hi, I'm Soraya. I'm a fat, multiracial, Minneapolitan millennial who has been basking in the rainbow pride light streaming across the Minneapolis skyline from the Target headquarters in downtown Minneapolis. Hashtag not sponsored, hashtag not an ad partner. Although it sure sounds like it. It sure sounds like it. No, absolutely not. Yeah. <laughs> On Matter of Fat, we talk about the cultural politics of fat liberation with a Midwest perspective. So on this episode, we're chatting about tattoos, sharing our fantastic interview with Emily Robinson of Merci Tattoo, and talking about lies in plus-size charts in the dirt and discourse. Yep, all that and more as A Matter of Fat. Okay, so tattoos. Tattoos. So uh, between the two of us, Kat, you have... The most and also the only, the only. tattoos. <laughs> so I would like to give you some space to talk about your tattoos. Give us a picture. Tell us your earliest. Tell us your most vivacious, uh, most audacious story related to tattoos. Anything you want to tell the people. Please wow, do so. this is a lot about. Okay, I um, I will share. Um, and this comes up a little bit in our interview too, because as we alluded to, um, my most recent tattoo is from Emily Robinson, who we get to talk to in this episode episode. And that is probably my biggest, boldest, best tattoo. And the one that I am most excited about right now, because I got it like a big tattoo in my arm that I wanted for so many years. So that's fun. Um, but yes, in all, I like to say I have four and a half tattoos, because one of them is like a cover up of an old tattoo. <laughs> so okay. I don't know, that's where the half comes in, right? Um, my very first tattoo was um, a cross on my foot when I was 18. Your girl used wow. to be pretty religious. Um, but I like how much of a bad girl you were because as soon as you were able to oh, do yeah. it, you went out and did it right away. Yeah, I wanted it before I was 18, but my mom said no. My mom is not a fan of tattoos. And she's like really good at letting me do what I want, like especially after I turned 18. You know, it's like my choice and all these things, but she's never been a fan. Um Maybe the weirdest story related to tattoos was that first one. Me and my one of my high school besties, Chrissy, like planned to get this tattoo, and we went um, to go. We went to her uncle's to do it. I was kind of misinformed about the level of professionalism from this tattooing uncle. I thought he was. Did he have a shop where you went to her uncle's? (laughs) Well. My, oh, no. my understanding, and, and I don't think that, like, she misled me. I just thought that I was, like, excited to believe what I wanted to believe. But in my head, he's this, like, great tattoo artist. And he, we were just going to, like, you know, go to his house. And he was going to just, like, you know, work on us in his home studio or whatever. Okay, fast forward to me on this man's couch, my foot in his lap oh, <laughs> while no. he tattoos this very haphazard cross no. on my foot. Yeah, it was, it was, it was really bad. And then 
then that was right before I was an exchange student. So for a whole year, I bebopped around Germany with this just like sad, like, is that a cross on your foot kind of tattoo? It was bad. <laughs> it was really, really bad. And then when I uh, I came home, I got it like fixed. And then when I was in college, actually, um, I got it covered up and... Um, one of my besties came with me for that as well and um, gifted me part of that as like a graduation gift, which was so sweet. Um, so, yeah, I had the first tattoo was from this, you know, uncle in at his place, uh, not a shop. And then when I got it covered up, it was from this like kind of badass gal whose name I don't remember from a tattoo shop near Hamlin, not fluid ink. It was the one by the by the place with the good BLTs across from Nelson's Deli. Yes. Yeah. Uh, Meats or Nelson's yes, Meats or whatever that place is called. God, they have Nelson's a great del- cheese and deli. Cheese and deli. They have a great Amazing. BLT. <laughs> um, is it Beloved? No. Maybe. Yeah. It doesn't matter. It could be. Anyways, that tattoo studio. Yes. yes. Over in the Como yep, area. Yep. I think great. that's what it is called, actually. And then what else? Oh, I have also with the same friend, Susan, who's a friend of the pod. We've mentioned her here before. I got a Nevertheless She Persisted tattoo on my arm and I really love that mm-hmm. and actually that was part of what influenced me to get my the big one on top of my arm well no I've been wanting that for forever but when I tell you after I got this little tattoo on my forearm the like poses I would do to make sure it would like be visible in selfies <laughs> I just like felt so badass I was like look at this cool tattoo on my forearm <laughs> um oh and I then actually it. so I went on and on and on and I did not go in chronological order also the year was that's okay. The year was two thousand. <laughs> the year was the year was okay. two thousand seven. I was in Argentina with another friend, Ariana. I don't think she listens to the pod. Maybe she does. Um, and I got this really big, cool tattoo on my back. Um, from or I guess it, it felt big at the time. It's not as big as the one on my arm, but um, it was an interesting experience because I don't speak Spanish really. Um, and the tattoo artist did not speak English really. And so bless her heart, Ariana was like the translator <laughs> and okay. it was a, it was a good, bad experience. Um, it was like, I, this, the tattoo artist was, was, um, just like a real interesting guy. I didn't eat breakfast and almost passed out. They had to lay Ooh, me down no. on the floor, elevate my feet, and feed me Fanta. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah, it was. Or feed you Fanta. Me drink Fanta. I don't think that any doctor would be like, yeah, that's you the know? way to help this <laughs> yeah. drink some sugar water. But I was lightheaded, <laughs> right? Because I just like, I, and I'm someone who um, is a little bit fussy with needles, actually, but tattoo feel, is like a little different to me than like getting a shot, but that's a whole nother kind of. And you also love acupuncture, so. But that is so different. Acupuncture doesn't hurt me like hardly at all and tattooing does hurt quite a bit in my opinion but I like I think the end result is worth it um also I wish I remembered this guy's name from the tattoo shop in Argentina like Billy maybe or something just like you wouldn't expect um shout out to Billy thanks (laughs) or like Robbie or something I actually I should go back through my journal from that year I bet it's written in there anyway um in addition to like the the pass out scare with the Fanta with the Fanta um we, he like was really convinced I had scoliosis or like something was wrong with my back because the tattoos on my back. And like several times he turned to Ariana and was like, I really think you got to tell her like she really should get her back checked. <laughs> I was like, 
Like, he was so concerned. Robbie was also going to men's school. And so <laughs> I don't know. Did you ever get checked out? No, I don't know. But I don't. I feel like. I think it's fine. I feel like the next time you get a checkup, you might as well do a check. She's like, hey, Catherine. Might just like, well. is, is this a scoliosis <laughs> back or am I okay? I had a scoliosis scare back in the early aughts. <laughs> Would you mind just checking it out for me? Just a quick look. What an interesting... Okay, we didn't really talk to Emily about this, but, like, you do just get to know the human body in such a different way than, you know, civilians. I don't know how you term... <laughs> like you or I? Do. Yeah, or, like, body... <laughs> yes. The, la- the lay do people. body work of... of yeah, or yes. Yeah. 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 Yeah, but like you probably just see so much and then start to get attuned to it. And so I wonder why he was so focused on scoliosis, though. Yeah, or and it's, it's also possible that like that was one of the main three things that I remembered from this like very weird, wonderful day. Um, what was but, the tattoo? Oh, it's like this like kind of it's like this design on my back. It sort of looks a little butterfly-y. It's honestly like now, 12 years later, it's like pretty busted. Um, it's not looking, it's not looking great. <laughs> um, but you know, what was fun is that my friend, she also got a tattoo, different tattoo, different location, but um, they're both in places like where we couldn't reach them very well. So we like, right after we got our tattoos, we went to the, the like, um, what is it called in Argentina? Apoteca is what we'd call it in Germany, like the the drugstore, but like not a CVS, you know, like where you go to the counter and I don't know how to describe it. I think they're pretty common in other countries, not here. Anyway, we went there, got this like special lotion called Dermagloss, and then twice a day we would like wash or I don't know if we want, but we, and like moisturize each other's tattoos to like help with the healing process. And it was just like a really sweet, a That's really cute. sweet thing. Yeah. And a really fun highlight of that trip that I took to go visit her. She is not um, Argentinian. She was living there for a year. Well, she lived there for um, six months and then in Mexico for six months on an exchange program. So I went to go visit for several weeks and got a tattoo while we were there. Did you get matching tattoos? No, they did not match. Okay. But okay. not opposed to matching tattoos. Wink, wink. Don't. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Before yeah. we so, get into like, that, let's talk about you, Soraya. You are tattoo-free, except for, like, some little fun experiments here and there with those cool things that advertise to us on Instagram, right? I was going to say, Instagram knows. Instagram knows that I, like, flirt with the idea of a tattoo, mm-hmm. but I'm, like, also not committed to anything. My fear of commitment um also extends to body art apparently (laughs) so yeah I mean I'm not opposed to tattoos actually I I think they look great on people for the most part depending on what they are um but I just don't know what I would want or like placement I think is the hardest part for me because even if I were to commit to something just like where would you put it where where would you want it and so I'm always impressed by people who have committed to having that on their body for like forever basically eternity yeah yeah um and also I just changed I've changed my what I feel like I'm a pretty consistent person in the long run but also like what I think is really really amazing now um you know I'll probably look back and like oh how quaint (laughs) so many years later (laughs) yeah that's true I think I don't want that to extend to a large piece of artwork that I'm investing in on my body but I have been yeah the Instagram algorithm um showed me this company called Inkbox, which is basically like semi-permanent tattoos. Not even semi-permanent. They last for about a month. And so I've been playing around with those just because why not? Yeah. It's fun. 
and I have a couple finger tattoos right now. And Did you put them on? One. Yeah. <gasps> yeah. In preparation for our tattoo episode. Yes. You, you sure? You could say that. Sure. I love it. Put a picture on our Insta and let people know, like, mm -hmm, tattoo content coming I up soon. I did it for pride, but I also knew we would be recording, okay. too. Okay. Well, I so will not let Matter of Fact take all the credit for this. No, no, we this. can say. No, no, we can. We can. You heard it here, folks. It's it's for this. Um, And they're just, like, really dainty and sweet. And when we were talking, when you talked about your, like, forearm tattoo, you're like, it gets thicker over time yeah. like it'll start out very thin and then does it just like bleed or what happens i don't know the technical the term thickens. it just it gets thicker and like comes together mean, like all of us yeah like like many like, of us like many things over time just gets a little thicker mm -hmm. i do have one other tattoo right now fake tattoo Where? on um it's on my arm uh-huh my upper arm uh-huh on the inside uh -huh. and it's a very millennial cliche moment but it? i got it for two other friends it was so inkbox does um they do collabs with different artists mm -hmm. so they did they did one with rupee cower yeah and of course they did right and so i just got this very tiny one that says to be soft is to be powerful and i gave it to two other friends and i don't think they've used it but then I was like, where should I put this? I'm like, oh, I want to put this on the softest, one of the softest parts of my body. And so it's on my inner arm, oh, inner upper arm. I love the look of that. So oh, yes. Okay. Well, I am so impressed. I didn't realize you would have tattoos on your body for the recording <laughs> of our tattoo episode. This is or our, you know, our episode where we discussed, we decided to discuss mm -hmm. tattoos rather. Yeah. Oh, how fun. Okay. It's just fun. It's fun to play around, but I would I would concede to maybe at the close of our matter of fact project, whenever that is, getting a matching tattoo with you. I think that, that would, would be like nothing doable. would make me happier. I just oh, and I would like oh, I don't have. I mean, I just I can't think of uh, I can't think of like another beautiful i mean of course there are other ways to like commemorate such a thing but it will be a neck tattoo you know that right oh no i don't <laughs> i don't want that <laughs> i mean oh i thought you never nothing would make you never say never but like pain. i don't think my neck becky parabeck would not have that she's mad enough i got all these oh, other tattoos okay. in places her thing was always like you don't want to have a tattoo where you can see it in a business suit or a wedding dress which that philosophy i do think was very like applicable when she was growing up but i don't think it's as applicable now well here's the thing yes though. yes so i was hanging out with some friends last night and one of my friends martha, martha! Who we've probably talked about before yeah she has lots of really cool different tattoos all over her body. Um, and we were just talking about how it's surprising because we were talking about my fake, <laughs> fake mm -hmm. tattoos. I feel like such a small child. I have temporary sparkly tattoos. Oh, they're not sparkly. Um, our friend Michael, also another friend of the pod, who said he listens. And I was like, is it because you want to hear your name? And he's like, well, it's well, there. Well, it does so come up there time and time again. It comes up fairly yep. often. Yes. So in any case, Michael, Martha, and I were chatting and we were talking like Martha how come you don't have any finger tattoos like that would be very much a thing she would do she's like well I'm in law school and a judge would not see kindly oh, to that yeah. all of her other tattoos can be covered up and I was like yep so I think it is still you know fairly applicable yeah. depending on 
where you're trying to be and what you're trying to do. That's but a good point. I don't know. It's my mom certainly doesn't like tattoos though. She's she and Becky are on the same yeah. page. That does not surprise mm-hmm. me. I feel like they're on the same page with oh. a lot of stuff. <laughs> so many. Things. Yeah. Yes. Well, I for for good. It's not something yeah. we need to decide now, Soraya. But as you know, this we continue with this project, and eventually, when it comes to a close, yeah, I think we gotta document it with some tattoos. It would just be so fun and so <laughs> so like nice to have that little reminder for forever. Maybe you could have like sort of I don't like a it could be a little Venus, honestly. For sure, and also we haven't talked to Emily about this, but having emily do it would be amazing would be, well. oh yeah that would be incredible incredible oh, well we love the thought of this we love emily and i think that everyone else is going to love emily too after they hear this interview emily we're so happy you're with us oh thank you so much for having me so we're going to start out how we always do. Um, Emily, what is your story as a matter of fact? Yeah, thank you so much again for inviting me. Um, this question was an interesting one, and I definitely had to think about it for a while. Um, and I guess I wanted to start my story as a matter of fact um, where I grew up. So I was born in France and grew up primarily in Ireland and Germany and France Um, moving a lot. And I sort of uh, grew up around a lot of ideas of what bodies should look like, obviously, same as people in the US. But I think um, there's definitely a lot of like fat phobia and and xenophobia that was sort of on display pretty early on. Um, I felt it a little bit from being different or being, you know, an American in Europe or having my little glasses or whatever the thing was that made me different. But I would really see it in in bullying and um, a lot of things just that kids will get up to. But I feel like from early on, I, I realized like, okay, if you're different, that's bad. If you're the same, that's good. And um, that kind of stuck with me through my young age um, growing up. And then growing up, I also had a lot of people in my life and my family that um, did a lot of sort of disordered eating. And not necessarily something that was talked about, but it became pretty clear to me that people in my life were using food as a way to kind of control how they felt like they fit into the world. Mm-hmm. Um, so all those things were kind of floating around. Um, and I think that I was sort of o- unaware of of where, like how those little things were taking root in me um, until my mid-20s when I started to deal with uh, really severe food allergies. And I'm still dealing with it now, but I started to deal with a lot of like chronic pain and um, a lot of different foods upset my stomach and I was in and out of the doctor. And um, part of finding what was sort of healing for me or good for my body also meant that my body type changed quite significantly. And I don't think I realized how much I had internalized that feeling of having to be an ideal body until it was sort of no longer maybe, you know, I could, I could see my friends who were gorgeous and curvy and, you know, it was no big deal until suddenly I was looking at myself and saying, Emily, you're not the ideal that you um, see everyone else telling you to be. And I know it's kind of like a late stage to realize that, but it was really um, kind of a slow burn. And um, I remember the 
probably the most like specific moment where it hit me was when I uh, went shopping at the mall in my like late 20s and suddenly found that nobody carried my size. Like, you know, six shops in a row. And I know this is a really familiar story for a lot of people, but just that feeling that there wasn't even like a place for me or that people didn't even consider me worthy of, you know, having clothes for, you know, like my money wasn't any good because I wasn't seen as um, worthy almost or visible. And Mm -hmm. that, that feeling itself uh, was a newer one for me. And was just that feeling of like, I, you know, this obviously it felt terrible, but also feeling like that actually ended up really instructing how I have ended up um, setting up my own tattoo shop and also how I, as a business owner, have thought about people in in my life who are coming to me. It's like, how can I create a space? How can I um, see people and and build something that not only fits them, but is welcoming to them, takes that extra step of um, including and valuing um, their life and their body as as it is. And, um, you know, obviously it's a very ongoing sort of thing that I'm working on. And I know I told both of you that I was a little nervous to talk about it because I think it's just not settled. You know, it's something that we mm. always keep working on. But learning how to value myself and really celebrate myself um, has been something that's that was easier to do for other people. And then I feel like now I'm really working on doing that for myself. Yeah. So that's my, that's my little answer. (laughs) (laughs) A great answer. I, you're right. Like that story reverberates Mm -hmm. uh, across our audience members for us personally too. And it's just so interesting how you talked about these external people factors kind of informed what you thought was your worthiness, right? Like whether it be the kids growing up, whether it be the stores, not having your size of clothing. And I think it's so interesting that you said like, oh, this really truly instructed and informed how I wanted to go about being in the world and comporting yourself and even your your business and your tattoo artist. I I mean, was it a really direct like one-to-one connection? Like, oh, I'm feeling this type of way. I need to do something about it. Or like, how did you end up becoming a tattoo artist? I would be thrilled to hear more about that. For sure. I think, I think that it was a little bit of a, like a little bit of a light bulb moment. I think when I was able to connect my own experience with um, how I wanted to address and, and welcome my clients. I think that one was in, um, it took me a minute to kind of like catch on, you know, I think, um, how I wanted to become a tattoo artist was a long, a long story of, of being interested in art. And um, for a long time, I was working in nonprofit because I wanted to connect with people. But that that art thing kept coming up. And um, what I was seeing when I would go and get tattooed, because I was getting tattooed at the time, I wouldn't really see people like me or... Um, places that felt super comfortable. And so initially I I didn't even think about being a tattoo artist because I thought I don't really have, there's no place for me here. There's no place in the industry. Um, But thankfully I, you know, ended up ignoring that and and pushing through anyway. Um, I definitely had to get through a lot of shops that felt 
really sort of hostile to difference and hostile to, you know, women, definitely hostile to people of color, hostile to fat people, hostile, you know, there's just, um, unfortunately, tattooing, like a lot of industries, has a long way to go. Um, but the, the, part, the part for me to answer your question about, like, how does the, the feeling of my and the experience in my own body, how does that connect with my business? Um, the real light bulb moment for me was as I started tattooing people, and you and often people are like undressing to some degree around you, um, and mostly women uh, were my clientele, and almost inevitably you would hear a little statement come out of somebody who was, you know, maybe taking their pants off for a leg tattoo or something. And they would almost always make some little sort of little barb about themselves, like, you know, apologize for something about their body or kind of like just an offhand comment. And it really bothered me because, you know, it's like, I definitely don't see that in the person, but also I could definitely hear my own voice saying that to myself. And what I used to say was I'd say, oh, this is a hate-free zone, and and that includes, like, against yourself, you know? And I would say that all the time. That was kind of my way of, like, diffusing that kind of moment. Um, but then I realized that I was saying those same things to myself in the mirror, like, every day, like, in the same, you know, in the same breath. So that's kind of where that light bulb for me came is, like, okay, so if I'm telling people this is a hate-free zone because I'm accepting them and wanting them to feel comfortable – shouldn't I also be building that for myself, you know, and what does that look like? And, you know, that's a whole story about how I've begun to kind of build a business that, um, you know, we're striving to make inclusive, but it's definitely, it, it definitely was a little slow moment for me going, oh, wait a minute. Like if I'm saying this to someone else, um, I should also treat myself like I would, you know, a, a, a beloved customer or a good friend as well, you know. Oh, that's so cool to hear. And I like, so you tattooed me, Emily. Um, I have just this amazing tattoo on my arm that I just am more and more in love with every day. Um, I'm so glad. Oh, I love it so much. And when I was, when you were tattooing me, I'm not one to make self-deprecating comments about my body size, but I did talk about my skin. I was like, my skin's kind of bumpy. I hope that's okay. And you were like, your skin is perfect for tattooing. Just like when you responded to me, I was just like, this makes me feel so good. And it's just like so clear that that is a value of yours, like a firm Mm. folks in their bodies. And, you know, we know that you've been really thoughtful with being inclusive in your practices for your business. But could you talk about like what that looks like specifically for tattooing fat people? One thing that I realized early on at the shop that I had been working at um, when I had started to kind of, like I said, have that light bulb moment of, wait a minute, I could make this space more welcoming. One thing I noticed early on is that the waiting room chairs, and it seems small, but the waiting room chairs are very low. And I would realize early on that if I had clients come in, it, it would be it wasn't accessible to everyone. There were a lot of clients that would find it difficult to to sit down and get up from this lower seat. And so I would start to have people come and wait up next to my station. And it was just that small change. But for me, it was that moment of, okay, I see an issue here. Let me kind of alter it a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it you know became something where, you know, I'd have a client who really graciously let me in on 
on their own knowledge of themselves and and said, hey, I feel kind of uncomfortable on this massage table you have here. It doesn't feel very supportive to me. Um, you know, that would be another really kind of specific moment of thinking, okay, like the furniture here is not working for everyone. What does that mean? Um, what does that look like? Um, at that shop, I didn't have a lot of leeway to make changes, but really directly that informed um, the new space that I ended up being able to find. Um, and it's it's ongoing. I think a lot of it's about um, continuing education, whether that's just like researching, um, but also asking people for feedback. But some of the things we've done at, at our shop has been, um, you know, we're an accessible, wheelchair accessible um, space with an elevator and um, wider doors, which is really helpful if people are in chairs. Um, you know, having all of our seating being really comfortable and accessible, um, not having seating with armrests, um, you know, being able to have chairs that are really supportive to people. But but beyond that, too, we've also um, started including a lot of like cushions. We have bought these really nice vinyl bolsters. And that's something that I see myself and everyone at the shop do a lot, which is that we um, use the bolsters as a way to support people's bodies as they're sitting for long periods of time, just knowing that no matter what your body type is and whether it's um, because you're fat or because you maybe have uh, injuries or maybe it's just because you don't like to sit a certain way, that we have really adjustable seating. So that's all been um, some of the stuff we've done. But um, one thing actually that was helpful that Kat helped me with um when the pandemic hit, I had to pivot pretty fast to find some other income. And one way I I did that was to start carrying some apparel. Um, mm-hmm. And that was one place where I had a big blind spot, um, especially early in my life, about thinking, oh, yeah, small through large or small through extra large. That's a range of sizes, you know. And you realize later, like, okay, that's like half of the people in the world. It's like, what about everybody else who also wants to look amazing? Um, so that was one thing I really started to stress too is when I um, started making apparel is trying to have it go up through 4X if possible. Um, and one place actually that Kat has helped me with is one of my last um, apparel items I I put out was the sweatsuit, which, you know, said it was up to 3X, but really runs quite small. Um, so it was really helpful to get a fit review from Kat, which I was so grateful for, um, which can kind of help me guide my next choices as I look for, um, I'm looking for a vendor right now to, to partner with for a sweatsuit that actually fits more people um, and isn't so restrictive on like the cuffs and things. Um, but yeah, so it's kind of a combo of like continuing education, trying things out, uh, feedback, and then review. And that's kind of something that um, we use not just with uh, access for different bodies, but also that's something that we've been working with um, in the tattoo shop relating to race and inclusion of Black folks in our tattoo shop, um, not just as uh, clients, but also people working and, and applying tattoos. Um, it's sort of something that we have put into our mission statement about respecting all bodies, but also going that extra step of actually trying specific inclusionary um, tactics, essentially, and then getting the feedback from there and, and making changes as needed. 
that process that you outlined, Emily, is like really clear. And I think that there's or it's clear to me that you're doing that. Like you just explained to me what I've seen from you, which is really Mm -hmm. special. And I also think like another piece of that is like you're just like very open to communicating kind of like parameters and limitations. I'm just this is a specific example, but Mm -hmm. I'm thinking about that sweatsuit where it's like once you know, like, okay, so we did find out this runs a little bit small and here are some things, just being able to like communicate that to people and saying, oh, yeah. it's not that this, this is the cutoff, but like, I want to let, I want to set you up for success in buying this. So I want to let you know, here are some things to think about. Um, and I just think that that sort of like being very open about those things. Um, and then also being open about your like desire to get and receive feedback um, mm-hmm. is quite powerful. And I see you doing that. So I wanted oh, to, you. yeah, I wanted to, to call out that additional piece to all of this. It's like, that feels really important. I appreciate that. And then I also like, I, I can't tell you how lucky I am that I have people who like, or how lucky I feel, you know, that there are people who are willing to share that like yourself, but also, you know, one of the first shirts I put out right away, one of my clients said, well, I need, I would love a a size chart, you know? And that's something that for a lot of my life, I've had the privilege of not needing to to look at a size chart because Mm -hmm. even though sizes run different ways, I could usually kind of fuss with it and make it work. Um, So that was something huge of like, oh, of course, like a size chart is going to help so much with online buying. And then, yeah, those kind of things where like this, specifically these pants kind of getting that feedback of like, okay, we're getting a lot of returns because they're running small. It's like, how can we set people up for success? But um, yeah, that wouldn't be possible without people being willing to share that, which I, I just love so much. Cause I do think that like, that's how we're going to grow is by seeing what works for people and then making changes for sure. Mm-hmm. Yes. And I was just going to say, I've been following you on social for, for quite a long time. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> I love so it. <laughs> oh, it's like been years, years at this point. I love that I can say that because when my friend said, hey, you should check her out. She's fabulous. So it's been fun to see um, like your evolution of like mm-hmm. even getting your own shop too. You're truly a radical business owner. And I'm hearing just through the tone of your voice and what you've been sharing about your clients and the way you've been taking feedback is that you just have a genuine fondness and care for people, which I don't know. I think that makes you a radical (laughs) business owner, a radical small business owner for sure. Oh, thank you. And you've been sharing some really great like aspects to how you've grown your business, the the thought and care you put into it and the choices you're making. I'm wondering, you know, other than like looking at the apparel, which is really cool, I would say anybody listening, please go check it out. It's beautiful. But like what are some of your reflections and wins on growing your business, especially in a pandemic? Yeah, thank you so much. I I appreciate the the love so much. And like, it just is so exciting always whenever I meet people that have followed the journey because it's fun. It's like, oh, yeah, like I don't have to clue you in on everything. Like all of my, <laughs> my bumps along the way, I'm like, you've been there for it. Yeah. So that's, it's really lovely. Thank you. Um, yeah, I think some of the kind of crazy wins that have come out of the pandemic that I just feel so blessed for is, um, is really just the connection that, that I felt with the people I work with. Um, so just a little background, I was in a little private studio space, um, and had slated and, uh, signed all the paperwork to move into a much larger space, um, for April 1st, 2020. And obviously that date is, uh, is a significant date because March 19th was the date that, you know, we got a little post-it 
on our sto- on our door saying, you know, you've been closed by the Minnesota Department of Health um, till further notice. And, you know, we saw it coming, but it was this moment of, okay, we have some artists lined up for this new space. We have huge bills looming. What do we do? And um, I feel really fortunate that my partner who, who works in nonprofits and has a lot of um, skill and skills with team building suggested, I know you're not really planning anything, anything concrete right now, but why don't you just start having the meetings you were going to have anyway? And I'm so glad he said that. So, you know, starting those, those first weeks, we started to Zoom, have Zoom meetings together. And instead of planning, like, you know, what tattoos are you going to do? Or like, what days will you work? It was, it was totally a check-in of like, okay, how do you feel between one to five? Like, mm-hmm. you know, what is giving you joy right now? Um, and just those little check-ins like that. And this kind of bizarre blessing of the pandemic is that we, I think, got really close through hardship before we even started working in the same place together. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's built this really great foundation now that we are, um, you know, working with so many precautions in place, but in it, in the same space as each other, there's just that care and that knowledge kind of of each other as people more than just as like, oh yeah, you're so-and-so and you do really bright colored tattoos. It's like, no, I know that you struggle with this with your mom or like, you know, that like, your cat is everything to you. And so I'm going to check in with you about like, how's your cat doing? And <laughs> like just things like that, which have created, I think, a um, a really cool basis of, of, a, of a business that I did not expect at all. Mm-hmm. That's beautiful. I mean, it sounds like you're so people centric with regards to how you run your business, but it's cool that you had that time to calibrate with each other and really get to know each other. So it's on every level. Mm-hmm. Wow. Emily, we want to know, like, what is bringing you joy professionally, Um, personally, both? What's tell us what's bringing you joy? That's a great question. I feel like right this moment, I'm getting quite a lot of joy, which I'm trying to allow myself to celebrate. I think this last year makes us all a little bit cautious about celebrating successes sometimes because we feel like, oh no, the other shoe's going to drop, you know, but (laughs) I've, I don't know, I've just been really celebrating the connections that have been created through the shop, not just with the um, other people that work there, like I was talking about a moment ago, but I'm just finding like the people that are coming in to get tattooed. It's just like such a crazy richness. Like, just, you know, yesterday tattooing somebody who uh, was incarcerated for much of their life and just like hearing the beautiful story about like the things that they have done and their experience levels. And like, I would not normally be able to sit down and talk to that person for like four hours, but I get to for my job. And then I don't know, just kind of that. um, it, It feels a little bit like a little like town square or something that we've created. So I'm really celebrating that like connection with people throughout the city which I'm loving. Um, I don't know. I have some friends who are getting married this summer, some friends that are going to have babies, just kind of that moment of like just celebration of life and that we're here. And like, it seems a bit cheesy, but I'm, I'm feeling much more grateful this year than I have probably my whole life um, just for the little things, because those little things are, are a little bit more important now than they used to be. So I'm also, um, I've also been making weird little rugs. <laughs> so, um, Nathan teases me, my husband, he teaches, teases me that I'm making tiny rugs that are too small for anyone. Um, but 
whatever. I'm I'm doing it with a lot of joy. Um, so like <laughs> just exploring other crafts and like other ways of making things is always one of my top joys for sure. <laughs> so that's good. What? Okay, this is so specific, but like, tell me more about these rugs. <laughs> like, what is the medium? What, how big are they? I want to know. Okay, so. Uh, basically, it's called Punch Needle. Oh, yeah. I don't know. If anyone is ever interested in starting this craft, please DM me because I, I had some trials and tribulations initially, but it's working great now. But it's basically, it's really simple. It's like this repeated little um, like kind of stabbing motion that you do, and it makes these little tufts on the other side of the fabric. Mm-hmm. And I got this big quilt ring from a thrift store that's like 22 inches across. So I'm making these like 22 inch across circular rugs I love <laughs> They're it like very colorful they'll probably end up on a wall somewhere Nathan says I should sell them and I'm like the, the amount of hours I'm putting into this would make it such a it would either be like I'd be paid one dollar an hour or I'd be selling them for like 225 dollars <laughs> like no thank you I think that's what they go for honestly oh my god there, like for that kind of textile art but like also you yeah. need to start a, in a feasible way and 22 inches sounds like a I perfect mean, I mean, I'm not trying to like, yeah, be like a professional rug maker, probably. I mean, watch the space, I guess. But <laughs> <laughs> what else would you like our audience or listeners to know about you or your business? Hmm. I think about my business. Maybe I would love for people to to check out all the wonderful artists and people we have in the shop. Um, a little shout out to Lauren Barlow, who is the shop manager. Um, She's on Instagram, Millennial Nomad. Um, She's an incredible healer and body worker in town and also graces us with her presence at the shop, keeping us organized. And um, she's just such a gift to be around. So check her out for body work. And then other artists, we have uh, Erin Armstrong. uh, We have Lana Bosak. Brand new artist, Kaylee McGee, myself, and then uh, my lovely apprentice, Joyce Spica, who's an incredible artist, a uh, woman of color from town who's done a lot of uh, aerosol work over the years and is transitioning into a super boss tattoo artist. So just kind of checking out all those people, um, as well as Black Garnet Books, which shares the space with us right now. Um, they're a Black-owned a bookstore that's doing little pop-ups in our space um, until they find a permanent spot. But um, yeah, just like check out the other lovely people. <laughs> that's my shout out. <laughs> that's a good shout out right there. All of those people are fabulous. Emily, thanks for telling your story. As, As a matter, matter of fact. Oh, such a great conversation with Emily. Such a delight to chat with her. And Soraya, we got to talk about it. Let's share some of the things that we're taking away from our chat with Emily. It's fun to do this debrief. I don't think we did a very good job of it in previous seasons, but I've really enjoyed breaking down a little bit of what we talked about. And also, listen, I I did that when I asked questions in the interview, and I wish I could just ask a a plain and simple question, but here we are. We're not always good at that. Um, We're like, here, we have, and we have the questions (laughs) written, y'all. And yet we are like, I do the same things where I'm like, let me just like talk for seven seven sentences that are not needed before I get to my question for you. (laughs) Uh, So maybe you all don't need to hear the debrief, but we have thoughts for usual. And I just... 
I just the the overwhelming one for me was how how much and I think this is common for myself, other people in my life, how much grace we are willing to extend to other people and like love and support and yet cannot do that internally. And so when she was talking about how she would she would hear people just like denigrate themselves and she'd be like, no, we don't do that here. And then realizing they're like, oh, like, but I I do it here in my mind mm-hmm. or in my heart was just Oh, that hit home. And so um, I I was really grateful for her to share that. And then also just using the term beloved um, in reference to people. I just I love that right now. So, yeah. What did what what stood out to you the most? Similar to um, what you first mentioned about like hearing extending grace to others, but uh, it being a little bit more difficult to like kind of change that with or see that change that give that within ourselves Um, that came through in her story. When she shared that, like, her body has changed over time um, and is larger now. Mm -hmm. And when she was sharing that, which, by the way, I think she shared really beautifully. I think there's, like, different experiences. And it's, like, for you and me, we've been fat our whole lives. And so we haven't had to, like, come into – we haven't had to grapple with bodies changing dramatically later in life, you know? So I am always really Mm -hmm. appreciative when folks talk about that in a way that's, like, like Emily did, she acknowledged like this was new for me, but I know that many people have been been experiencing things like this, you know, for forever. So I, I liked how she shared that, but kind of related. She talked about how she would look at her like plus size friends or you know people around her and felt like so like, oh, yes, you look great or like so happy for you in your body or just like love, you know, your vibe and your style, the size you are. But it was hard for her to feel that for herself. Um, And similarly, like similar to what you were sharing, I just think that that is really relatable for so, so many of us. Yeah, I just I'm struck by what that means to when you grow and change kind of dramatically, especially when you have a little bit higher level of emotional Mm -hmm. intelligence. (laughs) I think we just develop developmentally have that more. And she was also talking about how the the family patterns Mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. like behaviors, especially around eating, um, when that becomes relevant to us. So I think even if your body hasn't necessarily changed dramatically as you've grown up, um, or gotten older, like we do sometimes as adults realize, oh, that was kind of a weird thing. Like having some space apart from families to notice patterns or assess that. And so I think that was pretty interesting a, for her to bring up too as another You're revelation. right. And that's a great point. And I think that that extends, that re- relates to bodies, you know, and body size and eating habits and diet culture and also extends to like mm. most things about what happened in our families right, right. it's just like time away you're like wait what <laughs> like that's what people call trauma <laughs> oh God, that's not the best yeah. thing i should be doing mm-hmm. oh, yeah. whether that's related to disordered eating or just like being in relationship yeah. patterns and all that yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. totally i think that's just very very real yeah i something that when she when Emily was telling her story as a matter of fat and how um I just was picturing like this sweet little bespectacled Emily in Europe as a young Aww. child like in her observation that like sticking out's not the way to be like fitting in is is like what I'm being pushed to do you know like what our culture is pushing us to do and it's just like so that was just like sad and also so real to um observe that at such a young age I thought it was, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I, I appreciated that as part of her story. And just, yeah, the little em- image of cute Emily really stuck with me. 
when she was talking about that, because that's what I focused on as well, but it did, it, it kind of came up to being like the title of the movie moment for me. And what I mean by that is her shop is called Merci Tattoo. And because she has that history in France, I was like, oh, okay, Merci Tattoo. All right. I think that connects some dots for me that I hadn't uh, had a question yeah, about previously. Yeah. So I thought that was very and, cute. You know, speaking of her shop, I just, I love how she shared, um, you know, going, working in other shops, being in other shops, noticing like what was lacking, who wasn't present in those spaces, and then using those yeah. observations to inform her choices for starting her business. You know, I stand a business, like a values-driven business owner. <laughs> so I really, um, as someone like from the outside looking in uh, at her business and her as a business owner, and also like a customer who patronizes her business, I just think so highly of her and everything that she's up to. And and I love being able to have a little bit of the like, um, hearing the story about how that all came to be. Absolutely. I, okay, so we did not talk about this at the at the top of the show, but because we were really focusing on our decisions around tattoos or like my lack of decision is what it comes <laughs> down to. I think part of it is just that I have never gone into, so I, I have a, like a few piercings. I've got, I had my ears gauged for a minute back in the day, but like I never went to those places and felt like I wanted to linger yeah. there longer or like that I was welcome mm-hmm. or celebrated. And so I think that also feeds into it too. It's like, One, finding an artist is overwhelming stylistically. And then two, when I go into these spaces and I just see, you know, uh, like seemingly white girls with headdresses, like indigenous native headdresses or like other just weird things that I don't understand because I think they're part of tattoo culture as well. There's like a lot of history behind that. But like I see that and I'm like, I don't like it. I don't like it. It's not my vibe. I don't want to support that. Um, And I think, you know, there's a big difference in in having someone who's willing to go through, I don't have a better word for it, but like the toxic behaviors that are uh, kind of bred in those environments to finally get to a point where they could be like, yeah, I want to create my own space where I can celebrate people, where people want to come and be in community with each other. Yeah. Um, So I think that's pretty wonderful. So it's definitely... I think I didn't even consciously think about that too. It's like, what does it mean when you actually want to be in in a space and get it from an artist who has the values yeah. that you have too? It, it just like cool. feels so much better, right? And I think mm-hmm. um, kind of reflecting on that with what we were sharing earlier, I think for me, like, because you and I had talked about this and I think you had asked me like, how did you feel in those other tattoo spaces? And I didn't feel especially great about the places Um, but I felt great because I was there like with someone I loved for the most part. And I think that's, that's Mm -hmm. like what it was for me. And, and I, and as we were talking about this, I shared like, you know, typically I get tattoos with friends or a friend is there, um, getting something with me or, you know, coming with me. Um, but when I got my tattoo with Emily, like no one was there because it was, you know, it is a pandemic. Um, but Emily, I think I would love to call her a friend and just being able to talk to her the Uh whole time. It was like, it felt just as good as it ever did and then better because like the space itself was so intentionally crafted to make me feel comfortable and make me feel at home and also just like look so beautiful and be in this like oh just this the vibes the vibes are so good there Soraya I just we we gotta get in touch with Emily about our matter of fat tattoos when when that when that time comes <laughs> she's got a way so we'll have, we're to, have to get on that, that. 
It's time for the Dirt and Discourse. This is where we dive into the excitement and discomfort around relevant pop and cultural happenings. Yeah, and today we're going to talk about size charts and specifically like what I would qualify as inflated size charts. You know, when you go to like look at this garment that's listed as a 5XL and it fits more like a size 20. Um, we Brands are out here lying to look more credible, I imagine. Uh, and we have thoughts. We have lots of thoughts. And like, we are going to get more into this realm of us feeling like they're lying based on uh, sizing available for quote unquote everybody. Yes. Right? But also, I just want to acknowledge that sizing for clothes, particularly women's clothes has always been wildly different from brand to brand. Yep. And I just, that feels like a lie. That's a scam in and of itself. It's but already we are, a scam. <laughs> it's already a scam. Scams built on scams. Scam on scam so on scam. To, <laughs> bands on bands on bands. Um, <laughs> but brands on brands on brands, scams on scams on scams. Um, I will stop now though, Kat. You you please, please share the dirt and the discourse of it all. I love it. No, and Saray, like you are absolutely right. Like, this is a scam from the beginning, and it just gets scammier and worse as we go along. <laughs> so I think there's, like, kind of two main categories of this. Well, yeah. So there's many brands that, like, just have sizes that fit significantly smaller than what they say. So when I say, like, a size chart, I mean, like, what they qualify is, like, you know, the the bust, the waist, and the hips measurement, usually in inches, for the different sizes. And, like, so... um. For many of us, like me, I wear a size 22 or size 24. I'm pretty familiar with like the me- like the numbers that are associated with that. And so when I go to a brand I'm not familiar with or a brand that I think might fit differently, I pull up their size chart. I look at their 3X and or their size 22 or whatever, and I look to see what the numbers are. And sometimes they are just so dramatically off that it's not as if it's like, oh, we're using a little liberty here. We're making it a little bigger, a little smaller. It's just like outright lies. Uh, mm-hmm. And I think many of us are familiar with some of these brands. I will list a few of them that I see like that are kind of in the known Perpetrators. Sphere. Perpetrators. Savage Fenty is high on this oh, list. That hurts me because I love Bad Gallery. Yeah. I love I mean, her. how could we not? Robin. Yeah. <sighs> okay. Sorry. Carry on. Forever 21 plus all of the brands, like, I don't know if you're familiar with like rainbow stores, all of those brands, mm-hmm. Shein clothes, Fabletics is not as bad, but it's pretty bad. Um, this brand called Tatiana that like, uh, I think is maybe tied into her at one point had been com- connected with Betty page and then also unique vintage, like anything that's vintagey. It's like they, it feels like they're compelled to make the size chart smaller in an effort to like maybe appear more vintage, but it's actually just more mm-hmm. confusing. And I'll say, you know, this is something that I think about a lot because of my job, but many of the brands I've mentioned, some folks will say that those are like juniors plus sizing to help make sense of the fact that they are just so much smaller, but like take a forever 21 plus, like their three XL is a size 20, but they don't say that they give their, yeah. like on this, on the tag, you'll read it. It says three XL and then there'll be sizes for other countries. And it says that the UK size is a 24, which translates to a U.S. size of 20. Um, but mm. they're trying to like make folks think that it's a three and it just serves to confuse and frustrate people. I think another category of all of this is like stuff you find on Amazon, many different brands or non-branded items. Um, and I, I, you know, I think people often will say like, 
you know, that small stuff that's made in China. And I don't like that language. I think that that's probably like not that always feels a little like gross to me. Um, I don't think that that's what's necessarily going on here, that like every garment made in China is just like using a different size chart. I think it's just clear that there are brands that um, have adapted a size chart in which a 5XL or a 6XL is really a size 20, which is like a 2XL. Um, mm-hmm. And it just serves to to confuse us and make them look good, potentially, unless you are someone who wears those sizes. Mm. That's what makes me the most mad. I feel like, like this, with many other things, um, it's only the people that are most impacted by it that, like, realize it's an issue or, you know, kind of care about it. So there's a big swath of folks wearing sizes that are not plus size or wearing smaller plus size sizes who are very excited about these brands and happy to, like, you know, it feels like happy to sing their praises when there's a whole segment of the plus size population who's like can't wear the stuff. Um, and that feels yeah. gross. It also feels like they're finally listening to, to what we've been saying. And, and many people before us have been saying, it's like, oh, yeah, like we have money too. Um, we have money too. And we'd like to put that into clothing and other things that help us, like, you know, live. And yeah. comfortably in the world. Yeah. And yet, so they're realizing that and they're like, oh, and also it's on trend to be inclusive in mm-hmm. some ways. So let's say that we do this for everybody, already doing a poor job with the way that sizing is done and being done so erratically. And then also other brands now saying, like, oh, yeah, we are inclusive. We have all the sizes. And they certainly do not have all the sizes. Yeah. Well, it feels like there's a lot of brands lately that are patting themselves up on the back for going up to a size 3XL, which is usually a 22, <laughs> 24, sometimes a 24, 26 for some of these brands, right? Um, and then and some of these exact brands love to use the language, like you mentioned. We have inclusive sizing, sizing for everybody something for everyone and like that is undeniably a lie <sighs> it's just a sigh of being tired yeah i know do you yeah. three, do <laughs> you sorry that wasn't a good reaction do you know that brand somersault have you been seeing all of the swimsuits being served to us on all of the socials lately all all of the yeah. people too that i choose to follow like you know plus size influencers yeah. or whatever that i choose to follow have been yeah featured in somersault suits i hope that somersault is paying them so much money to look at the camera in the size 24 suit that is the largest size and say swimwear for everybody they better be making so much money because that lie is heard round the plus size world okay (laughs) i i'm sure but like the thing is the folks who are the furthest away from these sizes aren't even paying attention still like i don't even know yeah because it's been one sure this hasn't really been a thing before where people are like, we have the most sizes, especially from companies that have had historically had more straight sizes yeah. only and exclusively. But I just think like, I don't know, fat folks are, depending on where you are on the size spectrum, and also like call me out on this, right? Because I'm just one person. But I feel like the further you are away from straight sizes, the less hope you have for anybody to actually follow through on any of this. And yet I wonder what this means for people who are on 
the other end of the size spectrum to be like, oh, this is great. Like I feel really validated in putting my money towards this or even straight size folks, Mm -hmm. you know, putting money into it. It feels very greenwashing to me, like trying to make it seem eco-friendly and supportive when it truly, truly is not. Yeah. It's Um, that type of vibe where it's like we're painting this picture, but like if you actually look at the facts, like that's just not the situation. The data is not the data is not there, and I can. I mean, I am not some like I can't speak from personal experience of clothing myself, but like working in, in a plus size retail shop where I interact with lots of plus size clothes all the time. Soraya, your assessment is right. Like the larger your hmm. plus size, the more difficult it is to find things because so many brands stop at three XL. Um, you know, mm-hmm. I, maybe we talked about it here or who was I talking about? And the brand Athleta, or maybe they call it Athleta. Mm-hmm. No, I think it's Athleta. I thought it's Athleta. Oh, maybe it's Athleta. Whoa. Well, come for us, people. <laughs> we are saying it in one of, well, there's one of these ways is probably the right way. Probably not the one I said. Hopefully. Um, <laughs> but I think we know what I'm talking about. They um, recently, they, they've had up to 3, 3XL for a while. But they recently made a commitment to start making everything in 3XL. I don't know if they're there yet, but I think earlier this year they actually like sent out a mailer and the cover was all curvy people. I don't know if it was all plus size people, but all people who were, you know, you wouldn't always expect to see on the cover of an active wear advertisement. And that was really, mm. really cool. And they've been like talking about it a lot and they surely have been advertising to me a lot. Um and even still, it's like this isn't a full plus size range. This is this cuts mm-hmm. off at a certain at a certain place. Um, and it's just like a lot of talk without without, you know, and it's like some action. Is this like a two steps forward, one step back thing or a one step forward, two steps back thing? I do not know. <laughs> um, I kind of want to go back to something we were talking about a little bit before, which is how you pronounce name brands. So yes. you you said one you said Shein Shein I say Shine. What is yeah, it? I say Shein. It was used to be called like She Inside, um, oh, and I think that's why I so call it S H E I N is the yeah sweet. I've okay. heard it pronounced the way you pronounce it. I've heard it pronounced Shein. I've heard it pronounced like Sheen. Um, Sheen. So yeah. maybe I'm saying it wrong as well. They're like no, a, no, I, I don't okay. know. I truly don't know because I've never ordered. Um, but like there is this them. whole culture, well, yeah, around fast fashion, especially with them and like people doing, especially on TikTok, doing like five hundred dollar Shein hauls where they get so many clothes and they try it on, and like many people are like, that's kind of wild. That's a waste of money. It's supporting an organization that or a business that is unethical. Um, doing a lot of bad practices and that sure you know I agree with them and also I tried looking at their sizing one time and I was like I literally have no concept of any of their sizes when I look at these things so like if these people weren't doing hauls I would have no idea how that garment looks on a human body without someone doing that I have so many thoughts about that brand and I I think like part of the reason it's necessary or not necessary but part of the reason why these hauls are so popular is that like their their size charts are really confusing so from what i understand typically on a size chart let's talk torrid if you look at a torrid size chart the size chart like it doesn't matter if you're looking at like 
this top or that top or this dress, if you click on the size chart, usually it's the same. It'll say like, okay, size 22. Here's the bust measurement. Here's the waist measurement. Here's the hips measurement. And like that is the standard by which they design their things. For Shein, it's like they have, it's like someone lays out the garment and they measure it specifically for each different item. So like some might say that that could be Mm. actually more helpful. I think that it is infinitely less helpful because you don't know, like if you, so with the example I just shared at Torrid, if you're like, okay, cool. I wear a size 22. That's how my measurements add up. I know that for most of their things, I'm, I'm going to be wearing a size 22 or a three X. Cool. You're good. But for Shein, it's like, you have to put your, you have to look at the size chart for each specific thing to kind of assess, could this fit on my body um, with no kind of sizing as a starting point. So I think that that is part of the reason why these halls are so popular. It's a real mystery how these things will, will um, fit people. <laughs> but I, and I know like it's a whole activity. Right. Oh my <laughs> well, and okay. Fast fashion we know is rough. And also I don't think we need to go on and on about it, but like it is clear that for some folks, especially plus size folks, when we know we don't have the availability or accessibility uh, for lots of brands, sometimes you just need to wear what you can afford. Um, And so like, if you don't have other options, they are an option. And also they're um, like more blatant with their unethical practices around stealing designs from, from especially indie designers than other places. I think that probably everybody is stealing designs from somebody or another, you know, I don't, I don't, we can't Mm -hmm. think that target has like just the most brilliant people that work for it. And like all of their designs are unique to their brains and weren't influenced by other, many other designers, you know, that they're referencing for their things, fashion and otherwise. Um, But Sheen's really blatant about it. Oh, and sorry, do you know what happened to me the other day? I do not. What happened? Okay, so I was Googling an indie designer, Monif C. Um, someone had asked a question about swimwear, and so I wanted to like go to their website to see if I could find some stuff, whatever. So in Google, google.com, I put Monif C in, the full name of the brand, and the first thing to be advertised to me, the first link to click was Sheen. Oh, no. And, and then I had to scroll down a couple to get to Monif C's website. And it's just like... I guess I don't know the inner workings of Google, but I do a little bit insofar as they try to sell me a lot of stuff for the shop. Anyway, I am, I'm pretty positive that like Sheen has like listed Monif C as a search term that they hope to pop up under and they are paying for the privilege to come up first when I look for that brand instead of the brand itself popping up first. And that just feels so predatory and so icky. And I know like business, internet, I think this like relates in some ways, like net neutrality in ways that I don't understand and probably need to listen to some more podcasts about, but like (laughs) it just make, it's another tick in like the, the negative column in my book for that brand. Yeah. Oh, I, I don't know. It's so convoluted to me just how this all comes about and like fast fashion in particular, but also sizing. Like when I think about the industry, I'm like, what is the benefit to having such erratic sizing? Right. I don't know yet. I'm I would love I would love to know. I have to believe that and maybe this is naive, not naive or like maybe this is um I, I am actually sure. This is only part of the picture, but I do think that brands benefit by making it seem like they offer larger sizes than they do. I think for the general public to see, oh, they have extra small to 4XL, 
wow, I think that that's like saying something. Because you mentioned this earlier on. It's like we're moving to a place culturally where like it, it is regarded in a positive light when you do have larger sizes to offer. And at the same time, I don't think these brands really actually care so much about the folks on the higher end of that size spectrum and are happy to make it seem like they have a lot larger sizes than they do. I think that goes both ways. I mean, not um, that last point, but just about we think it's culturally more favorable to have bigger sizing and like broadcast that. But I don't think that's necessarily true because think about like Lululemon, who has Mm. set forward a very rigid standard of saying we will not have any sizes or like was it brandy melville there's like these weird offshoots of being like if you shop here you recognize what your size is and you you take basically a political stand in my opinion on what you support and what you believe in i think that's so interesting because like that sort of was the like underlying um thought for years and years and years and years right like that was people weren't explicitly saying that but that's what they were saying by only offering up to size xl it was like oh if you want to wear the clothes here you need to change your body and yeah. oh, too bad for you if you don't want to change your body um but it's interesting because it, it sort of feels like as we move maybe a little bit away from that there are folks like you've just mentioned that like feel then the need to like double down on that even more explicitly yeah which, okay, this is also interesting too. Uh, wow, this this certain discourse is going much farther than I ever thought it would. So um, Kardashians, right? <laughs> Let's talk about the Kardashians. Let's talk, Let's talk about, about them. Skims, because you have, tr- you have like ordered <sighs> skims to see yeah. what it was like. What I just want to like, you don't have to get super deep into it. But what was your take on the items that you ordered? It was awful. And and I will oh. say I ordered skims like early on. I think that they've made some changes to their sizing. And I think that they're one of those places where it's like, depending upon what it is, it'll fit different. But I did, I got a pair of their, um, like I got a bandeau bra top and then a pair of their um, like shorts. Like I was like, oh, if these like, like really long kind of my skin tone color shorts work for me. This is going to be a game changer under skirts and dresses instead of my Mm -hmm. regular bike shorts. Um, It was, they were just really, really, really tight. I Mm. sized up. I looked at the size chart. I'm not an expert, but I'm pretty good at that. (laughs) And I just, it was so small. Actually reminds me of a reel I saw the other day. I know Skims just launched um, or recently launched like a maternity stuff um, to support the belly, which like that's a whole thing of like, can you please like you should not be wearing shapewear when you are pregnant i'm not well i am not a doctor but i just that feels very wrong to me um but like this person was like i looked at it i I, like ordered my size they appeared to be a straight size person and they held up this thing that looked like it was for a large doll (laughs) it's like no too small it's not and i get that it's like compression so it's gonna appear a little smaller when it's not on but like i just think they've really mucked up their size charts dramatically sorry i really went on a tangent there is that what the information you were looking for Soraya? i mean it's useful it's useful in that um i was watching there's a person on instagram who i actually went to middle school with but um their handle is kardashian colloquium which i know you've seen their stuff Love before mm-hmm. yeah and so they, they do a really good job of breaking down the Kardashians and applying different theory in a and very concepts smart to the way. family. Yes. Yeah, I really dig it. Um, but they were talking about how it appears that, well, Kate Moss is going to be the face of Skims yeah. moving forward. And so they were really talking about how there is this shift in kind of um, full circle moment of 
Kim, who was for a long time looked down as trash and like not fashion and bringing in one of the original supermodels from the 90s to be the face of this brand and how it might be, especially with uh, Skims being somehow part of the Olympic uniforms i don't know if you heard that but yeah i guess i did hear that yeah about it becoming like this luxury brand too and so to know that like kim has sizing albeit bad sizing apparently with skims but that it could be a luxury brand is kind of interesting if we're thinking about the realm of sizing in like luxury or luxe brands going forward because Mm -hmm. she started out not being luxe or skims mm-hmm. wasn't less to begin well, with. There's but. just like we really went to a whole yes, yes, and yes. What does the future <laughs> hold? And also, yeah. I'm not trying to buy any skims anytime soon, but that's just me. Well, just I've me. heard people love like I've heard not all bad things about them. I will just okay. sh- say that the other things I ordered were just re- a real disappointment. Hmm. Maybe we so, should do a skims haul for a oh, video. <laughs> just kidding. No, that somehow is going to hit the pocketbook a little differently than a sheen one. <laughs> Um, I think, okay, we got to wrap this up, but I think as we do, as we kind of close out this dirt and discourse, I'd like to highlight something that you mentioned earlier, Soraya, which is just like, if you don't wear these sizes, like what does patronizing these brands mean to you? Like, is that Mm -hmm. a choice you want to make? Like be thoughtful with your dollars. If that is a choice that you want to make, okay. Um, but like, don't let these places fool you and don't fool yourself to, into thinking that just because somewhere says they have up to 4XL, 5XL, 6XL, that they really do. Um, and if you don't wear plus sizes and need a little reality check, um, you can just DM me. I'll give you, <laughs> I'll give you the info. <laughs> Perhaps you're wondering why we came in so strong with Target references (laughs) at the top of the episode. Uh, Perhaps you're not, and now you're being reminded and are maybe just like a little bit curious. Well, we have something really fun to share. Oh, we really do. So a couple episodes ago, we shared that we had a fun filming project with Alec Fisher of Fisher Media. And one of the videos from this Minnesota reaction series is live. It's us and other Minnesotans reacting to... Well, you know, the Target Lady SNL skit. TMI, Miss Girl. <laughs> oh, my goodness. I hadn't seen it in a long, long time, but we had a lot of fun watching and reacting, and we think you will, too. So make sure to check out the video link in our show notes on the website. Yeah. Also on the website, in addition to those show notes and that link, you can find transcripts, info about Matter of Fat, links to all of our socials, access to older episodes, and info about our next podluck. And if you love the pod and want to help with expenses that we've personally shouldered for much of the last four years, you can send us some fat cash. Matter of Fat. Cash. We're on Venmo at Matter of Fat Pod, and you can find more info about Fat Cash also on our website. If you are so kind as to share some Fat Cash with us, we would love to shout you out in an upcoming episode. This episode is dedicated to Mara and a generous friend of the pod who'd like to remain anonymous. We also love to give shout outs for reviews in Apple Podcasts. Uh, so pop over there and show us some love. Fat cash, reviews, shout outs, they are never expected, but always so, so appreciated. We love them and we appreciate your support. Yes, we do. Well, I mean, I can't wait till we're together again. 
Yeah. So until next time, when we're back with another episode of Matter of Fact. Was that too clunky for me at the end? No, that's fine. Also, sorry, I didn't realize I was on there twice. <laughs> boom, boom. I liked, I liked I that moment. You didn't see anything. I just like, she'll figure it out. You can fix and. the pause. <laughs> you can fix the pause. You can, can certainly fix cut the pause. that pause out. Oh. <laughs>